Welcome to a special review recap episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. If you are hearing this in our Patreon feed, this is a standalone episode coming out on the morning of Monday, April 4th. If you are hearing this in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, April 4th. I'm here to bring you the reviews for the new Broadway musical Paradise Square that opened on Sunday night at the Ethel Barrymore Theater. The musical is directed by Moises Coffin and choreographed by Bill T. Jones and is based on a concept and actually an original play with music by Larry Kerwin. It features a book by Christina Anderson, Craig Lucas, and Kerwin, music by Jason Howland, lyrics by Nathan Tyson and Masa Asari, and additional music from that original play by Kerwin as well. It is also inspired in part by the songs of Stephen Foster. The show has a incredibly talented cast led by Jakina Kalakongo. It also features Matt Bogart, John Dossett, Sidney DuPont, Chalina Kennedy, Gabriel McClinton, AJ Shively, and more. Over at the review aggregator site, Did They Like It? The show received what they consider three positive reviews, three negative reviews, and two eh, reviews. Let's get into some of those critical responses. Let's start with Jesse Green from the New York Times, who wrote, quote, Everything in Paradise Square is true. Nothing in Paradise Square is true. Yes, history shows that in 1863, after Abraham Lincoln extended the Civil War draft to include all white men between the ages of 25 and 45, black men being accepted because they were not considered citizens, Mobs of disgruntled Irish Americans rose up against black people in New York, burning buildings and killing many in their path. And it's true that in the impoverished, piano-shaped district of downtown Manhattan called Five Points, some black and Irish neighbors, who had been living together in relative harmony, joined forces to resist the mobs. But in hammering these large-scale events into individual stories, and in manipulating them so performers have reason to sing at top volume and dance nearly non-stop, the uplifting, star-making, overwrought new musical, which opened on Sunday at the Ethel Barrymore Theater, turns history on its head. Racism becomes an individual character flaw instead of a systemic evil. Resistance, the solitary moral genius of a hero. In this case, the hero is Nellie O'Brien, or really Jakina Kolakongo, who plays her with enough guts, stamina, and vocal bravura to make you believe in a character glued together from the shavings of history. Green goes on, writing, quote, That the position of the Irish and other white immigrants is not nearly as effectively dramatized as that of the black characters is morally good, but theatrically dull. In that combination, I feel the meaty hand of producer Garth H. Drabinsky, who seems to have used his influence to shape Paradise Square into a likeness of his previous hits. Like Ragtime in 1998 and the 1994 revival of Showboat, it frames social unrest as the product of a few representative individuals and tries to fill the inevitable gaps with big sound and stagecraft. It also borrows a famous plot device from Showboat, which is effective here even if the debt goes otherwise unpaid. And unlike those musicals, which were built on the frames of strongly written novels by authors with singular voices, Paradise Square feels more authorless despite its many contributors. In the direction of Moises Kaufman, known for a strong hand and conceptual coherence, does little to erase the impression of anonymity. Moving on, Deep Tran, reviewing the show for Broadway News, wrote, quote, About three quarters through the new Broadway musical Paradise Square, my lingering doubts about the show vanished. This clarifying moment happened during the show's 11 o'clock number, Let It Burn. Nellie, played by Jakina Kalakongo, was facing a crowd of angry white people threatening to lynch her family and burn down her business. Instead of cowering, she belted the phrase, let it burn, a challenge and a command. 
As Kalakongo sang, her soulful voice gained both altitude and power, as if she were climbing up to the heavens with her bare hands. After hitting her final note, she seemed to come out of her chest in an explosive roar. The audience leapt to their feet in applause. Yes, Paradise Square is a bloated, melodramatic musical that could cut 20 minutes off its 2 hour and 40 minute runtime. But, as Kalakongo sang, I felt that I was watching Broadway history in the making. In years to come, those of us who were in the room will gush smugly. I was there when Jakina Kalakongo tore the roof down at the Barrymore Theater. It's a committed performance that elevated the musical and demanded the audience's empathy, reminding us of the humanity of all the characters in the story. Deep finishes her review writing, quote, Paradise Square is the kind of new musical that Broadway needs more of, an original story that is ambitious, moving, and entertaining, with a diverse cast singing in formidable harmony. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show three out of five stars, writing, quote, The problem is that the writing doesn't support the spectacle, yielding a ponderous hash of good intentions that often feels like a training wheels version of ragtime. Greg Evans for Deadline said, quote, Paradise Square makes quite the reach. A musical about the buildup of New York's horrific draft riots in 1863 reaches through the past to tell us about the present. It reaches across cultures to tell us about assimilation and appropriation. It reaches across styles of music and dance to celebrate diversity and commonality. It reaches to contain both epic realism and mythical nostalgia. And somewhere along the line, it reaches a point of no return, when all that reaching just wears itself out. Juan A. Ramirez for Theaterly wrote, quote, And you know what? I enjoyed it. Moises Kaufman sharply directs a fantastic cast way beyond what the Thrown Together book provides. I suppose it's appropriate that a show about a New York neighborhood that served as a joyous petri dish for the country's many communities would have three different writers, Christina Anderson, Craig Lucas, and Larry Kerwin. The result is as tumultuous as the story itself. And finally, Christian Lewis uh, wrote quite possibly uh, my favorite line from all of the reviews, writing for Did They Like It? They said, quote, Looking at the lone lamppost on the playbill and marquee, you likely wouldn't know what Paradise Square is about. Oddly enough, the musical itself, despite an elaborate set by Alan Moyer, does not feature a single lamppost. The lamppost remains an enigma. I only wish we had had a lamppost to illuminate the show's unclear goals. In the show notes, I will have a link to both the Did They Like It roundup and the Broadway World roundup of reviews if you would like to read more. All right, that's all I have for the review recap portion of this episode. Again, if you are listening to this on Patreon, it is a standalone episode, and I wish you a wonderful rest of your Monday. If you are listening to this in the regular feed, I will turn it over to myself and James Marino for the rest of Today on Broadway. Today on Broadway for Monday, April 4th, 2022, I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, uh, it's a Monday. There is a ton of stuff in the podcast feed that I wanted to point out to folks. Um, Lauren Class Schneider's latest episode of Class Notes came in on Friday in which she spoke with Kate Forbes from the Irish Repertory Theater's production of Eugene O'Neill's A Touch of the Poet. So we had that on Friday. Then in the Patreon feed on Saturday, the latest episode of Jan Simpson's All the Drama looked at um, another O'Neill show, the 1920 Pulitzer Prize for Drama Beyond the Horizon. Uh, so you can check that out only in the Patreon feed for this week. And then on this week on Broadway, you, Peter, and Michael spoke with Tony Wynn.
winner, Debbie Gravid, about her upcoming uh, Birdland show, Debbie Plus One, then had reviews for Plaza Suite, uh, Paradise Square, even though those probably weren't supposed to come out uh, already, uh, Oratorio for Living Things, which uh, Ashley and I talked about uh, last week, Coal Country, and more. Give me a highlight or two from this week on Broadway. Oh, boy. Um... I guess um, we talked about Plaza Suite, and Peter and Michael showed me the error of my ways. I gave it a negative review, and Peter and Michael gave it both a positive review. So I have to ponder what they said because I respect their their opinions such so highly, and I have to think about you know Plaza Suite. Okay, are you going to uh, be able to come into town to see it? Uh, I I could. I am not going to see okay. it while I'm in mm-hmm. town. It's not, uh, you know, the the Neil Simon of it all. Uh, it feels a little dated for me. Uh, yeah. It might be a generational thing um, with Peter and Michael having more of a fondness for those original Neil Simon things. But uh, even though they are selling tickets for cheaper now than I think they were early on, um, it's not not on my list when I'm in town at the end of this month. Um, Peter did uh, this thing, uh, Fairlawn uh, High School in New Jersey. Peter uh, jumped on Jersey Transit and took Richard Malpy with him to this high school production of Ain't Misbehavin. Oh, wow. Where they're using Ain't Misbehavin in social studies class to teach about the era. And uh, it was totally amazing. And this is not, I haven't seen this covered anywhere else. I, w- I meant to ask you before we started recording if you had seen uh, anything oh. in, in the news about this. This is uh, really interesting. Uh, so Peter talked about that. Uh, and then we had a bunch of other stuff. So uh, you, you covered most of it in the, uh, in the recap. So get over to our Broadway radio feed That's if you'd amazing. like to take a listen. What other theater podcast can you get one of the panelists to say, I took the Tony winning book writer and director for this iconic review to go see a high school production of it. Like where else are you getting that? (laughs) Nowhere else other than here on Broadway radio with Peter Felicia. So um, if you want to hear all of our stuff, especially Jan Simpson's uh, all the drama, which is only available on Patreon right now, if you want to hear everything before you get it anywhere else, head over to patreon.com slash Broadway radio or broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, James, let's get into the news. I have been talking about how worried I've been about this for a Mm. while, especially as Omicron BA.2 has been picking up steam to become the most dominant COVID strain in the country. But as much as we wanted to think that it was, the pandemic is not done with us or the New York theater community. Last week, we talked about Katrina Link and many other members of the company company um, being out due to COVID. And it seems like it has only gotten worse as there were very few principles on over the weekend. Uh, Patty Lapone does appear to be healthy. Thanks on time. Thanks on time. Yeah. But another star studded show is having difficulties getting on stage now as the Sam Gold directed Broadway revival of the Scottish play has shut down performances through April 8th as star Daniel Craig has tested positive for the virus. The show originally canceled just its Friday night show. And this was before Craig had tested positive. And we know that because they canceled just a few minutes before Curtin and director Gold star Craig and his co-star Ruth Nega came out and talked to the audience before what would have been Friday's performance. Yeah, that's great. Great. The next day, the production announced that it was shutting down due to even more positive tests, including 007s. They will be um, shutting down through the 7th with performances beginning again on April 8th, which is this coming Friday. Of course, 
more news might come to delay that uh, between now and then. This comes like within 12 hours of the Broadway League confirming that masks and proof of vaccinations will be required in all Broadway houses through the end of the month. They had originally planned on revisiting their current status on April 1st, but given the spike in positive tests within the community, they opted to delay decisions on future protocols until April 15th. I would be shocked at this point if those mandates were not extended through at least the end of May, if not through summer at this point. I, I don't see any reason not to be safe about this, but who who knows? Now, James, obviously we wish Daniel Craig and everyone who has tested positive over at Macbeth the best, but what is potentially problematic for this production is that with more than a week off of performances, uh, it could possibly hamper their preview period. And as we know, they are the last scheduled show to open before the eligibility deadline on April 28th. So it's not like they could say, oh, we're shutting down for another week because of COVID. We're going to push back opening. They don't have the ability to do that and stay in this Tony season, which I'm imagining they will. Fortunately, obviously, it's a revival of a classic, so it's not like things are being rewritten, although I suppose cutting and trimming could be happening with anything Shakespeare. Um, and apparently there's no set, so they don't have to worry about those issues. Um, but it's a Shakespearean epic, a big, wordy Shakespearean epic. Um, so I would imagine losing a week or potentially more of previews is certainly not ideal. Yeah, uh, you took away all my talking points. I was going to say they don't have to work on the set changes. So <laughs> they, they don't have to work on remembering the script because it's been out there for 400 years and yeah. they <laughs> and all the other stuff. So uh, all they have to deal with is Charlotte St. Martin and the gang. Oh. So, uh, yeah. We'll see. I mean, there. You know, my my issue is I'm assuming they're potentially going to be doing some sort of rehearsals um, and maybe even run throughs virtually. Um, uh, you know, maybe even having some sort of rehearsals on stage with the company members who can. I don't know. I would imagine they'd be doing something to keep it as fresh as possible because they want to hit the ground running. I am sure when everybody is able to come back. Yeah, I, I I'm. Interested about this because it's a limited 50, uh, a strictly in limited engagement, 15 weeks only, which implies that people have got stuff at the other end of it. Uh, so will they extend? But we've heard nothing from Polk and Company, who is the official press rep for, for this. So, uh, all we've seen is, uh, some social media stuff. Uh, don't know what's going to happen. But you were talking about the extension of the Broadway League's uh, mask mandate. And if it were to go through the summer, do you think that that we would have a masked Tony Awards? Wow. I don't know. I mean, I probably should. Uh, I mean, at this point, like if we're worried about uh, companies getting sick like this, it would be kind of foolish to throw them all in a theater with thousands of people and then let them mill about. And then I'm sure they're going to be having parties because we've seen people doing opening night parties during like the Omicron and Delta rises. Um, it would be foolish not to, uh, I think if you're going to continue to do the masks for performances, but I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that from the actual Tony Awards standpoint, but, um, it gives a whole new – you could have a whole new swag bag with, uh, with O&M masks and things like that. You know, I'm yeah. going to the O&M party. You have the O&M uh, mask. Yeah, that's, the, that's your official yeah. invite. You have to have the official O&M Tony Award <laughs> mask to get in. Oh, All right. Lord. So tell us about this week's Broadway schedule. All right. So we have four shows 
opening technically this coming week, although one of them is just a return engagement, which kind of changes the landscape of those. Tonight, actually Sunday, April 3rd tonight, as we are recording, we are having the opening night for Paradise Square. We are obviously recording before that opens, so that means that as will be the case for all of the openings through this Tony season, I will be doing a special review recap episode in which I collect the major reviews, put them in their little standalone episode, throw that in the Patreon feed as soon as I have it. That'll be its own standalone episode and Patreon. It will then go at the front end of Today on Broadway in the regular feed when that drops as normal at 7.55 a.m. So that's how we'll be doing reviews so you can get the rest of the news as soon as humanly possible. Um, So I will have that in both feeds on Monday morning. But of course, Paradise Square is the new musical that was conceived by Larry Kerwin, who co-wrote the book with Christina Anderson and Craig Lucas. Um, The music is by Jason Howland, lyrics by Nathan Tyson and Massey Sorry, with additional music by Kerwin himself, and it was inspired in part by the songs of Stephen Foster. This show is the Broadway return of producer Garth Drabinsky, which as you guys discussed on this week on Broadway is one of the major issues with this production, but the show is directed by Moises Kaufman and choreographed by the great Bill T Jones. So obviously great creatives um, create are working on this show. The cast features Jakina Colacongo, Matt Bogart, John Dossett, Sidney DuPont, Chalina Kennedy, who was out for a while with, uh, with Cobra uh, COVID uh, Gabrielle McClinton, AJ Shively and more. It is currently run at the Ethel Barrymore Theater. It is an open-ended run. We'll see how that goes, and I'm looking forward to hear all of the reviews tomorrow. Then on Monday night, depending on when you are hearing this, um, the Broadway revival of Take Me Out from Second Stage officially opens at the Helen Hayes Theater. It is currently scheduled to run just through May 29th. Of course, this is the Broadway revival of Richard Greenberg's play directed by Scott Ellis and featuring a number of uh, pretty big TV stars, some of them making their Broadway debuts. Patrick J. Adams and Jesse Williams, known for their TV work in Suits and Grey's Anatomy, they are making their Broadway debuts in the show. They are being joined by Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Brandon J. Durden, and more. Again, this one is just running through May 29th, barring any sort of uh, extension, James. This is one that I've heard very good things about. I was supposed to see it last trip, but because of my flight being canceled, I didn't get to. The second stage was gracious enough to let me exchange that ticket for this coming trip, so I will see it when I am in town at the end of the month. Have you seen this one yet, James? I have not, not yet. All right. Do you have uh, your? Do you know when you are going to? Um, no. Oh, that sounds like a no. That no, like a no. I, do, I don't think so. I don't have okay. it scheduled yet. Okay. Well, um, that is just the second of four openings. On Friday, we get the Broadway return engagement of Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Um, This, of course, is a return from the original 2019 through 2020 production. This time, it'll be housed at the Marquee Theater. I won't run through all of the who's of this one for the most part because it's pretty much the same group as previous. The only difference is that Elizabeth Teeter will be playing the role of Lydia and Leslie Rodriguez 
Alice Kritzer will not be doing the Miss Argentina track. She will only mm. be playing uh, Delia. Uh, Michelle Aravina will be playing Miss Argentina. Um, this is also scheduled to be a an open run. I, we, you know, it was the last run was so bizarre, James of Beetlejuice. I have no idea what to expect from this. <laughs> I know, I know that my brother and niece will be flying up just to see Beetlejuice because my niece is obsessed with it and we're so disappointed that it wasn't going to be open when we were in town earlier uh, in the spring but they're going to be coming up to see it so maybe a lot of these young kids who have really latched onto it through social media and the, and the album um, will keep this going for a little longer than the original one and then rounding out the week on next Sunday, on April 10th, the Roundabout uh, Theater Company's world premiere or Broadway premiere production of Noah Hadel's uh, Birthday Candles will officially open. It is directed by Vivian Bench. Um, the cast, of course, is led by Deborah Messing. Also features one of my favorite, Enrico Colantoni, who is making his Broadway debut. Uh, John Earl Jelks is also in there. Crystal Finn, Susanna Flood, and Christopher Livington. This one, of course, as a roundabout subscription house, is a limited run playing the American Airlines Theater through May 29th, barring any potential extensions. Could you imagine how they're going to have birthday cake in the theater? I mean, uh, if they are, I know you will be setting up shop there because anytime there's cake or pie included or ice cream, for that matter, you are you are there. <laughs> exactly. So what do we have uh, next in our uh, Playbill news? I could say so many things, but I'm just going to leave it there. I know. I this There are so many jokes that Ashley and I have had around these scripts for some of these things uh, that we do not allow to make to air. But mm. as we have discussed before, James, it's been a bit of a rough go recently for the big screen rocket man Taron Edgerton in the West End production of Michael Bartlett's play Cock during the first preview performance you'll remember that he passed out and then last week it was announced that he would be out of the show for 10 days to quarantine following a positive covid diagnosis well now the actor has decided to withdraw from the production altogether due to the rash of illnesses that he has suffered his understudy joel harper jackson will replace him for the run through june 4th i had heard a lot of rumors about a broadway transfer james i don't know if that will happen now, um, with all of this going down, I'm not sure if that upsets the apple cart or not. It is directed by Marion Elliott and co-stars Olivier winner Jonathan Bailey, who Marion obviously worked with on the London version of Company. So not sure how this changes the potential of this show coming to New York, but it is uh, uh, an interesting thing and we uh, wish Taryn the best. Next up, continuing her ascension to Hollywood stardom after finishing filming on Disney's live-action Snow White movie, Oscars invitee Rachel Zegler <laughs> will next be voicing the role of Princess Ilian for the new Apple Original Films animated musical Spellbound. The film is helmed by Shrek director Vic, uh, Vicky Jensen and features, get this, an original score by Alan Menken and Glenn Slater. In the film, Zegler plays a tenacious princess who must go on a daring quest to save her family and kingdom after mysterious spell transforms her parents into monsters and threatens to cover their kingdom in darkness forever. So let's look at Zegler's very limited big screen resume so far. The lead in West Side Story, the lead in the live action Snow White, 
And now the lead in an animated musical featuring a new score by Alan Menken. Like that is obviously the talent is remarkable. And we've known that since she was just like a social media darling. But like that's a hell of a CV to start a career, James. Oh, I I, I 100% co-signed to that. <laughs> she is. And Grace Under Pressure, she's so young and handling it all so well. I, yeah. I love to see that. Yeah, I, I there was a lot of discourse around how she kind of called out the fact that she wasn't able to go to the Oscars and people didn't thought that she was uncouth for doing it the way she did. Although all she did was respond to a comment on Twitter. It wasn't like she made yeah. a big post about it. Um, I, I thought that it it showed how strong and smart she was. I loved the fact that she stood up for herself and wanted to be there and she got Disney to let her be there. Cause it was, I think I said this on the air, like it's ridiculous that Disney was stopping her from being at the Oscars on a Disney network to celebrate a Disney film because she was in London filming another Disney film. Yeah. So mm -hmm. just ridiculous, happy for her and, and, and glad for all of her success. Finally, in this section on Sunday, the 2022 Grammy Awards were held slash are being held. And we are obviously recording before the major slash unimportant non-theatrically related categories are presented. But we do know that in the pre-broadcast ceremony, which was hosted by the great and the good LeVar Burton, the unofficial Bridgerton musical by Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear won the award for Best Musical Theater Album. It beat out the Broadway cast recording for Girl from the North Country, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's West End Cinderella, Burt Bacharach and Steven Sater's Some Lovers Concept Album, the album for Les Miserables Colon, The Staged Concert, and the, the album for the new review musical Snapshots, which includes a bunch of Steven Schwartz Schwartz's songs. Um, obviously, for many reasons, that category was a bit weird, um, given that the year that these war awards and compasses went from the beginning of September 2020 to the end of September 2021. Um, so I do think it kind of is only fitting, James, that a musical that really only happened on and because of TikTok won for the year that was completely smack dab in the middle of pandemic shutdowns. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I've lost total track of time here. When did the, the Ratatouille musical thing happen? You know, I'm not sure if that was after, well, it had to have been in, during the middle of that, unless it was before, if, maybe it was earlier in September, in 2020. I, I'm not sure. It, yeah. it certainly wasn't after, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. <laughs> So what do we have in feel-good recommendations? Okay, this is a recommendation as much for me as it is for everyone mm, else because yeah. I have not had a chance to watch this yet. But on Friday, the new Disney original movie, um, Better Late Than Ever, or Better, <laughs> Better Nate Than Ever, sorry for screwing that up, Tim Federley, um, debuted on Disney+. Plus. This is a filmed adaptation of Federley's book of the same name. Not only did Federley write the book that this film is based on. Uh, he also penned the screenplay and directed it. Of course, Federley has had a long relationship with Disney Plus, having uh, created High School Musical to Musical, the series, and uh, been a part of that. Um, I believe the actor playing Nate's name is Ruby, R-U-E-B-Y Wood. Um, it also features Joshua Bassett uh, as his older brother, Norbert Leo Butts, and his real-life wife Michelle Federer play Nate's parents. It also features Features Aria Brooks as his best friend, 
Libby and Lisa Kudrow as his aunt Heidi. Um, what I thought was interesting, Norbert and Michelle were both original stars of Wicked. Uh, of course, Norbert played Fierro. Michelle played Nessa Rose. They get a number of Wicked jokes in there and actually uh, cast a side eye towards Avenue Q, um, <laughs> which is fun, especially because one of the producers for Better Nate Than Ever is Mark Platt, who produced Wicked. Um, so I thought that's very fun. There's also a bunch of other Broadway folks in there, Christina Alabato, uh, Ellen Marie Marsh, um, tons of other folks in there. And it is about a kid who didn't get the part he wanted in his high school play. So he sneaks off to New York to uh, audition for a Lilo and Stitch musical adaptation and stays with his Aunt Libby, played by Kudrow. Um, and uh, it just seems great. All of the buzz I've heard about it is fantastic. So I need to put it on my list. After I watch WrestleMania on Sunday night, this will be at the top of my list for this week, James. WrestleMania, the musical? I mean, I'm here for it. I'm okay. definitely, definitely here for it. That, that Venn diagram, that yeah. have a slight overlap there. Very <laughs> All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. James, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at James Marino. Sometimes, not really, on Facebook mm-hmm. anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, all over the place otherwise. Yep. Don't forget, uh, patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.